Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cutting Chai Stories, where the stories are short and sometimes sweet, just like the half servings of milky tea we call Cutting Chai back home in India. I'm your host, Jayati Bora, and today we have with us our first guest of season two, Stephanie Bourbon. Stephanie is a writer, artist, actress, and creative consultant helping female writers reach their dreams and goals. She teaches writers how to write their novels, she teaches dialogue, and she's working on her own novel as well. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. I'm so glad to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. You've been teaching people how to write dialogue, and that's really interesting because I find that very often people who are otherwise able to write easily and naturally freeze up when it comes to capturing the cadence of human conversation. It just comes out stilted. It's not believable. It's clunky. Um, Have you seen that? That is something that most writers do, whether it's in screenplays or TV shows, but especially in novels. And so what advice would you give writers who are struggling with dialogue in their novels or their short stories? The biggest piece of advice that I can give is um, don't write in perfect grammar because people do not speak in perfect grammar. The only time you would do that is if specifically your character spoke in perfect grammar, but nobody actually does. And I find that when I'm reviewing people's work and even reading stuff that's out there, when people are writing in perfect grammar, it just comes off flat. And then the other piece of advice is uh, not to use a lot of slang or regional uh, dialects. You know, don't try to add in dialects from regions. Oh, that's so interesting that you say that. Um, Can you talk more about that? Like when you say dialect, what exactly do you mean? Well, you know, like everybody has um, different accents based on where they're from. And I find that some writers they might try to write somebody from like South Brooklyn. And so they'll change the spelling of the words. And so people will put in like weird spellings of things to get that inflection, but it's not necessary because when we're reading a novel, if we know it's set in Boston and we know that accent, we're going to hear that anyhow. And when people do that, it tends to pull the reader out because then they remember that they're reading something. And the other thing with the slang, it's like, okay, so people who are from new, I grew up in new England. So that's why I'm using that as an example we say things like wicked a lot. Like I might say it's wicked hot or it's wicked this or wicked that. But if it's not used 100% authentically, it pulls the reader out. Then they realize that they're reading instead of you know being immersed in a story. Right. No, that makes total sense. So Stephanie, we're talking today in the beginning of November. And November is also the month of NaNoWriMo. And you have done NaNoWriMo 16 times in the past. Is that correct? That is correct. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, first, could you tell our readers a little bit about what this is and why they should consider doing it? And what has you going back so many times? So NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo, however you say it, it is National Novel Writing Month, which is November. And it is a challenge where you write a novel in a month. What I like about it is that you just write freely. And it's really good for first drafts because you don't really have time to make everything perfect. And I go back every year because I like that challenge. And there's so many people that do it on Facebook or through the NaNoWriMo official site. And there's just like a momentum that happens because everybody or so many of us are doing it. I I just think it's fun. I guess maybe I'm a, I don't know, (laughs) maybe I'm a little crazy, but I just like writing fast. So many people doing it all at once. You you don't feel like you're alone. And I'm sure that plays a big part in it. 
And you have something to offer for people who are doing NanoVimo this month, right? Can they still sign up for it? Yes, absolutely. Um, people can sign up anytime, even if you know they sign up on the last day of the month. It does start that day, though. So if you sign up today, you're not going to get yesterday's email. Well, would you mind reading us a little snippet from one of your letters? I had the privilege of reading one of Stephanie's letters, and it's so great. I almost makes me wish that I was participating. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. Um, today is day two, and the letter that went out this morning on at 7 a.m. was called Day Two, You've Got This, and it started like this. How did it go yesterday? Did you meet your word count or exceed it? Yay, you. Today's writing a novel in a month tip is not to look back on what you wrote yesterday because you will want to change things and that will get you stuck. What I do during NaNoWriMo is I read the last paragraph only so I remember where I left off and go from there. Remember, no matter how good it is or how, excuse me, how good you think the first draft is, you will revise it. I didn't mention this before, but I write sequentially during this month. The reason is that it's too hard to keep track of all the moving pieces if I start writing scenes all over the place. You can do it however works for you. In writing, there are no rules for how to get it done. We all have our process. Wow, that's so incredibly encouraging. And also, I love that you have practical tips in there. The other part of your life is... Uh, just being a writing coach, what do you what do you get asked about the most, and what are your top tips for helping your students? The biggest thing that people do, especially like I said at the beginning, is not know where they're going, and so they're sort of all over the place. My philosophy on writing is story and character are first, and the words are last. Biggest piece of advice is to always focus on story first and character, and the words last. But when you say story, do you mean like structure, or do you mean like the storytelling and narrative? Structure too, but you can really get bogged down in structure. I think when you're first writing your drafts, like say you have an idea about, you know, a girl who, you know, moves to Ohio and, you know, meets the love of her life and they get married. Like that's your story. That's what it's about. So you're going to need the pieces of introducing the girl, her actually moving to Ohio where she meets the person she's going to be with and then, you know, how they develop their relationship and end up together. Those are the pieces when you first, when you're first putting it down, just that is what needs to be down. And then when you're going back through and revising, you can really focus down on structure and making sure that each thing happens at the right times. Now there's exceptions to every rules, but every basic story has the beginning, the middle and the end. And within that, there's, you know, the beginning, which is the introduction. Then there's like your inciting incident, which is sort of what propels the character forward around the quarter mark. There's their, um, it's called entering like the new world where things change for them somehow, whether it's moving or, you know, if it's a fantasy, they are literally in a new world and then the middle, and then everything goes up to a climax, your all is lost moment. And then the end. So all those pieces need to come together before you can focus on writing these amazing words and sentences. But at the very beginning, just telling a story. So yeah, the storytelling, you know, as you're writing it, showing, I don't mean telling literally, I mean, showing us what the story is about before you lock everything down. It's a process. Thank you for walking us through that. That's so helpful. I wanted to switch gears for a second. Uh, you've mentioned that you're dyslexic. And that could be an obstacle for some writers, but you found a way around it. Can you tell us a little bit about how you deal with that dyslexia? 
big part of it is just knowing and identifying the things that you struggle with the most. Um, people that are dyslexic tend to repeat the same patterns. When writing, I use a lot of tools to help me. I use Grammarly, which is something that you pay for. Another great way is having your critique partners. You know, they're reading through your work and they are going to find those mistakes. It's really just being confident enough to show other people you're writing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being on our show, Stephanie. I know our listeners will be taking notes. I always end my episodes with a writing prompt for my listeners. Do you have one for them that you could share? A really good one is to take characters from a favorite television show. Like I'll use The Office because I love that show. Write a scene from your novel from their point of view. And the reason to do this, just a small scene, a paragraph, maybe a page, is because it really actually helps you identify your own characters. So often as we're continuing to write, our own voice will sometimes take over for our characters and that's how stuff's sounds stale. So if you take a paragraph from your novel or your short story, a scene, and you write it from, say, the point of view of Michael Scott or Dwight Schrute or Jim Halpern, like the way that they will tell you what's happening is going to be completely different. That is so fun. So it's almost like identifying your character by identifying who they are not. Exactly. That's that's a useful tip. I will be using that one. Yay. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So that's it for today. Until we meet next Thursday, stay warm with a cup of chai. scrap folder oh absolutely my gosh i mean i'll give you an example so i oftentimes have i'll start off a personal essay one way with an anecdote and i think oh my god this is so funny and then i'll like i'll hold on to it so much but then i realize it's not working in the essay and so i put it in there and then sometimes i i bring it out and it ends up working in something entirely unexpected. My scrap folder, I feel like I've been very lucky with my scrap folder. It's given me a lot of ideas. I also write in different forms. I write fiction, I write nonfiction. Uh, I wrote two plays when I was um, in my MFA program. So sometimes the stories will work themselves into a dialogue in one of my plays. Mm. So since we did that session last week or two weeks ago, it was on very short form personal essays. You know, in fact, you were more strict than I am. You said that we should write stories under 50 words. I usually give my listeners a hundred word limit. What tips do you have specifically for writing short? Like you can't cut off a paragraph at the end when your entire story is a paragraph. Okay. So I would say um, first is what's called immediate res, which you start in the middle of the action but also is to peel away, I mean, it's obvious to say to peel away whatever is necessary, but more specifically to embrace the incompleteness of the story itself. I, I heard this really great quote by the writer, I never know how to pronounce his name, I think it's Bor Borges, Borges. Um, and he's mm -hmm. talked about how like, you know, the goal for, for writing for him is to write something that you don't understand. I think when you're writing something really short, um, and we even did six word memoirs, is mm -hmm. there's so much that we as a reader have to bring to the 50 words or the six word memoir and to be okay with that. So I think what, what I would recommend to, to students is 
write a hundred words like you tell your students and then take a pen and chop out the words until you get to 50 and see mm. how much you can do and just peel away and peel away and peel away and peel away and, and allow those mysteries. And to me, I think one of the things that I find hardest to do, but I try to do the most is um, I try to have writing be a little bit mysterious, not coy, but mysterious. And I love the element of mystery, especially right now with this COVID time where I feel like every day my life is kind of the same. There's no real mysteries, you know? I mean, every day mm -hmm. I wake